0: Gino takes the snap. Four-man rush. Got a half roll. Throws back inside. Reaching out, making a catch. Touchdown! Hawks.
1: Are you kidding me? it's DK Metcalf! 704 on a Monday. Halford, bro. Sportsnet 650. Alford and Bravo in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour two of the program, Nick Shook from NFL.com is going to join us in just a moment here. He's our Monday morning quarterback, brought to you by the Clayton Public House. Uh, we are in hour two. Hour two is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. Okay, to the phone lines we go. Very happy to have our next guest on the program. Nick Shook here from NFL.com on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Nick. How
2: are you? I'm fantastic. How are you?
1: Uh, we are well. I think that we need to start not just with the Seahawks, but how dramatic a turn the NFC West may have taken yesterday. So the Seahawks win in kind of dramatic fashion against a banged up and quite frankly done uh, LA Rams team, but everyone and rightly so, was focused on this story out of San Francisco where the Niners get a win over the Dolphins but lose starting quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo to a season-ending broken foot. Enter former Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy uh, and this is a guy that was a seventh-round pick. He's a rookie. He's being thrust into a pretty crazy situation here, Nick. Uh, what's a realistic expectation for both him and the Niners moving forward?
2: Well, what's crazy is you know, you look at his performance yesterday and you think there's no way that guy was a seventh round pick. There's no way that guy was Mr. Irrelevant. He did look there's good. No way that that's he did his, look good. His first, his, yeah, his first, you know, regular season experience. But then it makes me immediately think because maybe I'm just too cynical at this point that, well, that's definitely a fluke and he's going to come back to earth the next week. So, um, I, I mean, based on one performance, since that's all we have, one performance of significance, uh, you know, He looks like he could be good enough to be another Jimmy Garoppolo, if not slightly better. Um, But then again, we have to wait and see. I think we just have to wait and see, you know, playing Tampa this week is going to be an interesting test for them as well um and then you know you get your real test when they when they come to seattle in a couple of weeks and and he's going to be their guy because that's all they have left you know trey lance out for the season jimmy garoppolo out for the season this is it this is all they have and and unfortunately i don't know why you know i mean unfortunately for uc hawks fans but for the 49ers in general um i don't know why they've been they've had such terrible luck in the position over the last four or five years i mean just really terrible luck but they were uh, fortunate to, to pull out that victory yesterday. Not just pull it out, but really run away with it at the end. And, and a lot of it had to do with their rookie quarterback. So, yeah. to answer your question, I, I, I think we don't know. I think they have a defense that's good enough to win any game. Yeah. That's what's probably most important.
1: I guess the question is going to be, um, we know that their defense is incredible, and Nick Bosa was a beast yesterday. And they made the trade for McCaffrey because he's such a multifaceted weapon. But, like, I think – I feel like it's a bit naive, maybe even a bit ambitious to suggest that, oh, well, Purdy can go in and do a reasonable facsimile of what Garoppolo did because it's not a QB-driven offense to begin with. There's a lot more that goes into it than that, and it's also the sort of intangibles, like, Pressure and expectations, and having to carry the team when it means something, as opposed to like the third exhibition game or whatever. Like, this is asking a hell of a lot from Purdy. Even if he's up for it, it still could be just maybe a little bit too much because there's so much at stake for the Niners.
2: Yeah, you know, I thought yesterday was actually a pretty good test of that environment because I know they were at home and the fans are riled up. And and this is a game that they all had circled on their, on their calendars. They talked about playing during the week. It mattered more to them, you know, maybe not specifically to Brock Purdy, but it mattered more to the 49ers facing Mike McDaniel, you know, and some former 49ers on the, on the Dolphins side, you know, running back in other positions. So I I think this is a a nice little test drive in that environment, but yeah, it it is going to come down to whether you can handle those situations. I, I think we've seen, you know, lesser quarterbacks end up in the Super Bowl maybe, you know, it might have been 15, 20 years ago. But it has happened when you have a very good defense. And D'Amico and Ryans has this defense playing lights-out football right now. I mean, I know they gave up 17 points, but if you watch that game from play to play, from start to finish, and you'll see Tua to Tagovailoa was way off for a good portion of that game. They looked nothing like the explosive unit that they usually are offensively. And I think that can go a very long way, especially when you're a little deficient at quarterback because of injury.
0: I'm sure fans of the Eagles and Cowboys were looking on at the quarterback situation in San Francisco and going, oh, is this an advantage for us? Um, The Eagles and the Cowboys have a game on Christmas Eve, and I know that's a few weeks away, but their fans are already sniping at each other on social media. They're all, you know, they're, they're already saying we're better. No, we're better, et cetera, et cetera. Um, How would you power rank the top of the NFC? Do you, would you have the Eagles up there? The Cowboys still the 49ers or I, there's no other team.
2: There's something about the Cowboys recent run that while it's been impressive, you know, winning 54 to 19 on, on Sunday night football is impressive uh, something about it. I i I mean they're good. They're they are good, but I still go back to that overtime loss to the Packers and think, what was going on there? Um if you look at their schedule over the last seven weeks, it's not quite the toughest schedule. Uh since they lost to the Eagles, which of course they didn't have a day for that game, uh, you know, they, they beat Detroit, they beat Chicago, they lose to Green Bay, they beat Minnesota and that was in blowout fashion. That was the most impressive win out of all of these. Then they beat the Giants who were in the big rut offensively and that was on Thanksgiving. And then they beat the Colts who, you know, have not been super competitive for the majority of the season to begin with. Then next week we get Houston. Then they get Jacksonville. The next big test is Philadelphia. So I think they're going to continue to win. They're going to be near the top of the standing, but if I had to choose between the two it's the Eagles and it's not really all that close. It's, it's closer than you might expect, but it's not all that close in my opinion, because they, the Eagles look like the most complete team in the NFC right now. I'm not a big believer in Minnesota. So if I had to pick two heavyweights coming out of this conference, and then maybe three, I'm picking the Eagles and the Cowboys and the 49ers because of that defense that we just talked about, which would have been even stronger if they hadn't lost Jimmy Garoppolo. But um, it's, it could very easily become a two-team race before long.
0: Beyond the quarterback position, what have the Eagles done to change from two years ago, they were 4-11-1, uh, now they improved last year. They went to the playoffs. They were 9-8, and eight, but I don't think anyone watched them play last season and were like, oh, that team's going to the Super Bowl. This year things are different. What have they done to turn into this team that looks pretty good all around on both sides of the ball and, and quarterback, everything really?
2: Well, two years ago they were still kind of hanging on to Carson Wentz. It was the last year of Doug Peterson, and it was Jalen Hurts' rookie year. So. Um, they were entering that transition phase that they desperately needed to enter. And they've also had to reshape their offensive line a little bit. They've gotten, they've added a ton of talent on the defensive side. Some of it is more experienced, veteran players, you know, James Bradbury types, uh, the Darius Slade types. They've made those acquisitions on that side of the football. But more importantly than anything, they have changed their identity when they have the football in their hands. You know, it was early last year in which they still weren't a very good football team because they hadn't acknowledged. And kind of pushed all their chips in the center of the table of what their what their strength was. And and you have to give credit to Nick Sirianni. If you're in the middle of the season, completely changing the offensive philosophy, going away from trying to air it out and barely giving the ball to guys like Miles Sanders, to realizing that hey, we can attack teams from different angles at the same time because we have two guys that can run. We have one at quarterback. We got one at running back, and we got actually a few pretty good running backs. So let's do that. That was the building block for last year for them. And then they've been able to stay relatively healthy up front, which has been a big issue for them in recent years. And the other big thing was going out and getting some key receivers. You know, Devontae Smith was a a good start getting the the former Heisman Trophy winner last year and and bringing him in as a rookie and just kind of watching him start to learn on the fly. Adding A.J. Brown was the next big piece. And I think that they just kind of continued to build this collective group that knows how to play really well together it's, it's led by Sirianni's you know mind it is I wouldn't call it genius because I hate to use that term when it comes to football <laughs> but it all fits together really well they've built their pers- they've built around their personnel which I think is the biggest issue in the NFL is not trying to fit a square peg into a round hole Sirianni has embraced exactly what they have and maximized that talent and they're playing very complimentary football and when you get all that to work right now like they are it's really hard to beat a team like that on a week-to-week basis
1: we're speaking to Nick Shook from NFL.com here on the Halford & Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. Nick, of course, is a presentation of the Clayton Public House, uh, your home for all NFL action every Sunday. Uh, Nick, this Bengals-Chiefs game uh, from yesterday, uh, furthering Joe Burrow and the Bengals' mastery of Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So this is really interesting now. The Bengals have won four straight. They moved to 8 and 4 on the year. This is the third time that Burrow has beat Mahomes head to head. I see all the headlines are like Joe Burrow has entered the MVP chat. Uh, have the Bengals entered, or I suppose re entered, that conversation of the AFC's elite alongside Buffalo and Kansas City?
2: You know, there's one thing holding me back on saying this. And, okay. and you just said, you know, Joe Burrow, he's got, you know, the Chiefs, right? He's got their number it's too bad that he doesn't have the number of the rest of the AFC North this because he's still going to have to go through Baltimore to really get into that position again. And you look at him historically, like he's never beaten the Browns in a game in which he's played. And yeah. guess who they played this week? The Browns. Uh, you know, he struggles against the Ravens. The Ravens already got him earlier this year as well. So uh, he's going to have to win those games to just come out as a division winner. But I think that if they make the playoffs regardless, you have to take them seriously. So it's kind of a, you know, a, a kind of, uh, straddling the line here because they they are a good football team. They have done a very good job of adjusting and not having Joe Mixon. Uh, their 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 offensive approach really varies week by week. Because it was against Atlanta or maybe the week prior, where they just completely ditched uh, you know what they were how they had entered the season you know offensive philosophy wise. They they just said, you know we're just going to run the spread. We're not going to hand it off traditionally twenty twenty five times a game. We're just going to air it out, and it worked after they were struggling early in the season. But then you go look at their numbers last night, and it's like, oh well, some AJP Ryan had 21 carries, Joe Burrow had 11 carries of his own, which is crazy to think of. Uh, and that, what that really shows to me is an ability to adapt on the fly, Zach Taylor in this offense, and, and do what you need to do to, to compete with whichever team you're matched up with. And that game, you know, yesterday was a very good one, a back and forth between two teams that I think, you know, if we're going to talk about contenders, then yeah, this is a very long-winded way to get to that answer. I do think that they can contend for this conference, but. I think that they're going to have to be able to uh, clear some hurdles in the meantime. If they get to the postseason, I like their chances against pretty much anybody in this conference so far. Uh, and, and for some reason, they, they do have the Chiefs' number. And, and eventually that becomes a mental hurdle, but they are far from the only team that is battling for that AFC crowd. Um,
1: was there something more to yesterday's Sunday night football game than just a, a blowout? Because I mean, again, the the game itself, we knew that the Cowboys were better, we knew that the Colts are kind of in a tailspin, but you, the score jumps off the page because because one, it's nationally televised. Two, 54 to nineteen, you just don't see blowouts of that nature, that variety, that often in the NFL. And I I don't I mean I know. I don't think there's any animosity between the two. I can't imagine they were running up the score, but it certainly felt like this was one that was more – it was embarrassing for the Colts. I mean, they they were turning the ball over left and right, and you've got to consider, well, what's going on in Indianapolis with the really weird coaching change and Jeff Saturday coming in with no experience. To have that kind of loss hung on them, I'm
2: just trying to figure out exactly what it all means. It's weird because I think it means more about Matt Ryan – than it does Jeff Saturday, which he was is turning the crazy. ball over a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's is crazy to say, because I don't think the, I thought the Jeff Saturday thing was laughable as soon as he was, he was hired. And yet they have kind of looked more competitive since he, you know, took over the job than they did prior, which isn't saying much because they didn't have much of a pulse prior. Uh, but I don't think that there's animosity between the Cowboys and, and, and the Colts necessarily. Uh, it was a 21 to 19 game going into the fourth quarter. And, you know what happens. You turn the ball over in succession multiple times like they did in the fourth quarter and they can get away from you really, really quickly. You know, to, uh, to one of those was a defensive touchdown in the final quarter, a Malik Hooker uh, fumble yep. return. And then you had, you know, a long run for Tony Pollard, which made, you know, a 53 yard possession out of just three plays. So, uh, you get, you're getting short fields, you're trying to run the clock out, and the defense is not tackling. Well, what are you going to do? You want me to just get down when we still have 10 minutes left in this quarter? No, I'm going to score. And, and you know, I think that if there's a team that doesn't care really about running it up or not, it's it's the Cowboys uh, when when it's coming that easily to them because they need to build that type of mojo to keep up with, as we mentioned before, that other team in the division, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. So I think the Colts have a hard time getting out of their own way. Um, there's There's been multiple instances of that throughout this season, and we unfortunately have had to see a lot of that on prime time. We had to see them. Barely beat the Broncos in one of the ugliest games I can ever imagine or ever remember uh, early in the season. And then they lose to the Steelers, which is a team that probably loses that game if they're not playing Indianapolis or Houston or somebody else. So, uh, And then they lose this one, of course. So maybe this is you can be like, all right, Colts, we're done with you. You guys have a lot of changes to make. Um, so long, goodbye, you know, that type of thing. But it's, um, yeah, so I don't think it's too big of a story there. But I, I do think that this is going to be an offseason change for them, which I think is very needed for them.
0: Here's a headline in the Denver Post, and it's a columnist. Uh, If quarterback Russell Wilson loves the Broncos, he'll give back some of that $245 million contract extension. What odds would you have put on the Russell Wilson trade with the Seattle Seahawks and the Denver Broncos playing out like it is? And I'm including the Geno Smith story in all this. Oh.
2: Well, that adds a wrinkle. Um <laughs> first off <laughs> that is a plea for help. Right, that <laughs> yeah, uh that, that headline, headline. Yeah. <laughs> goodness. It is. If he was a good person, he'd break <laughs> it no he wouldn't. No, he signed that deal, he's taken every dollar. How much how much history do we have to tell us that they're gonna take every single dollar? Look at uh, I mean you, Miguel Cabrera, he's going in his last year in baseball now and, and you know, he's been he signed that massive deal and everybody takes the money as soon as they sign it if they can't. Um, I did not expect it to be all this poorly at all. I also wish I had looked back at Nathaniel Hackett's introductory press conference and thought maybe this is a slight indicator of what is to come. I mean, I, I don't know if you remember, but uh, it was not the introductory press conference. It was the press conference right after they made the Russell Wilson deal. And which she just goes to the mic and goes, wow,
3: Russell Wilson! <laughs>
2: like, you know, that was, that was basically the peak for right, them. Right. Uh, it's been extremely disappointing for them. And I did not expect this to happen i did not expect gino to play well um you know gino has had shown glimpses at times but over a full season i mean i thought there's no way that he's going to win that job p carroll's going to give that to drew Locke, and he ends up going with the veteran what was a genius move you know it's a genius to pick gino yep. it's like a bad campaign slogan but it's worked <laughs> out for them so uh i definitely didn't expect a lot of this and the funny thing is is like people are now coming to the terms to, with the fact that you know they had that the Broncos are tied to Russell Wilson. They cannot get out of that contract. The the money is just too much, and they're like, "Wait, they did what? How, how did they sign that deal? I I can't believe they agreed to sign him to that." Well, that's that's the power of a star quarterback in today's NFL, and uh, and unfortunately, when if you're going to have to make a change, I think we all know what change is going to be made, and it's not going to be Russell Wilson.
1: It's just wild to think that like not only did they orchestrate the trade, which cost a lot of draft capital and looks awful. Uh, in hindsight, but uh, doubling down with the gargantuan extension prior to ever really seeing him play, uh, it just it might end up being one of the worst moves from an executive group, both in terms of the trade and the extension. I'm not joking in NFL history.
2: I'm trying to think about other cross-sport comparisons of which massive extensions were signed. Yeah. Albert, Albert Pujols in, in Anaheim was did not pan out. Right. It was right. up there, but football, usually you don't see it. Uh, partially because the NFL doesn't guarantee its contracts the way that it's starting to, and I think that this is going to cause people to come back toward you know away from the fully guaranteed or close to you know guaranteeing massive amounts. I mean the market demands it, but I mean you got a you got a pretty big example of why, eh, we're a little hesitant on this because look what Russell Wilson <laughs> just did in Denver.
1: Nick, you're the best buddy. Thanks a lot for doing this today. We appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week and all the games this weekend. Oh yeah, Monday Night Football as well. We'll do this again soon.
2: Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Have a good
1: one. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Nick Shook from NFL.com here on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, from the football of the gridiron variety to the football of the international variety, it's time now for your soccer report brought to you by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed Pro all the way. We are exactly 22 minutes into the round of 16 match between Japan and Croatia live from Qatar. Uh, There have been some fairly decent chances traded both ways. Uh, I said of all of the opening round matchups where you had the non South American or European teams trying to get past the round of 16. Mm -hmm. I thought this one maybe had a pretty decent shot, even though I know I made the wager over the weekend that from a value perspective, Croatia winning the entire tournament, you could get them. I think it ended up being at 30, uh, 34, 34, 35. I can't remember what. But, yeah, um, a lot to one, a lot, and it was, you know, it was good value. I will also say that this is maybe the team for me, the Japanese team, that has the best potential to do it. I would also throw Morocco in that in that group as well, if only because I thought they were very impressive mm-hmm. during the group stage, and they've got enough talented guys that are playing at those high-profile, top-five European leagues with good-quality clubs. But this is going to be an interesting to play out. Another thing that's worth monitoring here, uh, I know we're only halfway through the round of 16, but no matches have gone to extra time, none of them. I mean, they've all been actually outside of Argentina, who had some nervous moments at the end against Australia. They've all been relatively comfortable victories so far. Like, the Netherlands weren't yeah. really pushed excessively against the, well, the U.S. Americans,
0: the Americans scored to make it 2-1, but then the Dutch immediately struck back to make it 3-1, and the England game obviously was very comfortable as well. Mm-hmm. This soccer report was brought to you by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed, pro all the way. I want to go into the Dunbar Lumber text line and read some of your texts about the Vancouver Canucks because – not surprisingly, they are not overly positive. Yeah. Uh, we've already talked a lot about the Brock Besser situation. Hugh Hefner in East Van. Hey. I, I thought he'd passed, but I guess he's living in East Van now. Yep. Uh, they should always decline a five-on-three power play. That was brutal on Saturday. That was the worst five-on-three power play I've ever seen. There was They were actually helping... Arizona killed the penalties by passing it around and wasting time instead of shooting the puck. If I was B- Boudreaux, I would have benched all the players that were on the power play. Yeah, the behind the back pass that J.T. Miller made was you you can't you can't you can't do that.
1: And he was directing traffic as well. I was
0: watching it just dumbfounded. Well, like, that was before he but made, it made that it behind the back. Yeah, no, I, he he helped clear the. Yeah, I mean his puck management at times is shocking. Yes, J.T. Miller. Um, and there's another text in here, and this is uh, JC in New West. Please tell me that if the Canucks are willing to trade Besser after just re-signing him this year, that they'd also be willing to trade Miller after re-signing him this year. I feel like trading Miller would be the biggest, quote-unquote, addition by subtraction and shakeup that the Canucks could make in that core. I'm sick and tired of watching Miller not Back check. All he seems to care about is getting his power play points. Yeah. Uh, GT Miller. Yeah. I, I, there, there was there was always this discussion about: Do you want to make this guy your highest paid player or one of your highest paid player? Given his habits, and there's no denying his offensive talent. He makes some great passes. Yep. Now he's a bit of a gunslinger out there in that. For all his great passes, there are a few that do not go well. But is this a guy that you want as one of your vocal leaders when JT Miller himself has some pretty bad habits, whether they're puck management bad habits or defensive bad habits? Is this a guy that you want to have as one of your leaders, the guy that is telling the young players what to do and how to play? I would say, no, it's not. But they have. And but as have a Canucks made, but fan. they have
1: made that decision.
0: They have made that decision. They made it already. But can they still get out of it?
1: <laughs> I don't know if they want to.
0: Well, if they don't want to, then I don't know what they're thinking.
1: I mean, I'll say this. Uh, Miller is, uh, look, again, we, we straddle the line between role play is the wrong word, but I'll throw it out there anyway, Whereas, like we're not. We're not endorsing this, but we're trying to play the role of what are they thinking? Right? Yeah. We do that I, all the time.
0: Honestly, I have no idea of this. And I, don't I really, really don't.
1: So we're throwing out a lot of harebrained theories. That's what we do here on the Wacky Morning Show. Miller's, gonna, Miller's on pace for 82 points, right? It's a little bit down from 99, but as far as the, con, the, 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 the proof of player, the persona, the profile, He's kind of doing what he's supposed to do. No, now, he's, no, he's being worse now. Now, he's listen. Worse to, defensively just, just let me finish. Just let me finish. Um, with the amount of money and the amount of investment that you've given, in, especially in a leadership role, uh, he should not have the kind of habits that he does. He should not make the kind of mistakes that he does. He's always been high risk, high reward. If he's on a better team and there's more structure and there's better players around him, his errors as egregious as they are probably don't get extrapolated out where it's like always a goal against or something. Like, anyway, but on well, this they, team, it would also
0: just be unacceptable. Like I on think, a
1: good team. I think, yeah, don't I think, think, well, no, cause I think you need players like him. I think you need guys that are going to push and dictate and make things happen, but it has yeah. to be in the right situation, mm-hmm. right? You can't have like a swashbuckler be the leader of a team. Because everyone's looking and they're like, well, he's kind of the shot caller around here. The, he's the alpha dog. He's the guy that makes it go.
0: Stop yelling at me.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you look at these other teams, and especially and I go back to this all the time, Rutherford and Alvine came from Pittsburgh where it was really easy because Sidney Crosby was your best player and your leader, but Crosby also did everything right, especially on the defensive side of the puck. Yeah. So it was it was He did everything what? right. It was basically where you say, you know, just watch 87, quite literally do anything mm-hmm. and then mirror it and mimic it. You can't say the same for Miller. You're like, look at what he does, and then half of it, try and forget it. <laughs> right? And, like, don't do, don't do what JT does in certain instances, right? At the same time, uh, he's one of the highest paid players on the team. He's got one of the longer terms inter- as far as commitment goes. And he's one of the leading
0: scorers. So, like, that carries a lot of oxygen with it when you're in the room and stuff like that. And I think if they can trade him, they should. Chris Faber is going to join us next uh, we'll talk about Pod Colson and Jack Rathbone being down in the AHL. How's it going for those two? Because the Abbotsford Canucks have played a few games since those two have been sent down. We'll also talk to them about the Canucks, as we will with Ian McIntyre at 8 o'clock. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, the behind-the-back pass that JT Miller made was, you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't do that.
1: Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 1130 Air Patrol. 7.35 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford, bruv, Sportsnet 650. You weren't lying. This is really good. This song, no, it's not from the Chuck Mangione collection.
2: It is a Flugelhorn, though I should add.
1: Uh, this is the result of when you type the word "Faber" into the unlicensed music search bar. Correct? Yes. This is the Faber song. So naturally, we'll have to play this every time he's on from now on. Totally. It's yeah. Really, quite ridiculous. It's wildly on brand for our show. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I'm feeling it. Halford and Breath of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari Family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour 2 of the program, Chris Faber from Canucks Army and Canucks Conversation is going to join us in just a second here. Uh, Hour 2 of the program is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver.
0: We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Excuse me. Kintech Footwear and orthotics, I've lost my voice from yelling at the England match. It was such a comfortable victory. <laughs> I know, but I still yell. Canada's favorite orthotics provider supported by over fifteen hundred five star Google reviews. find your perfect fit at kintech dot net
1: okay uh, I we, everyone knows what's at stake today, right? Uh, we've got giveaways coming up at eight, in the eight o'clock hour at eight thirty with regards to what we learned. Uh, we've got the Scenic Rush uh, luxury car supercar giveaway. We're going to enter a bunch of people into a grand prize draw, which we're going to give on Friday, which is a three-hour round trip Sea to Sky Highway, Ferrari, Lamborghini, all these really wicked cars. That's going to happen throughout the week, and we're going to do the grand prize on Friday. To get entered in, entered into that draw, uh, send us a, what we learned. What did you learn over the last twenty-four hours? Actually, seventy-two hours. Sorry, it's a Monday. In sports with a car emoji. If you want the tickets to tonight's game, Canucks, Habs, 730. Note the start time from Rogers Arena. Also submit a What We Learned with the ticket emoji. I suppose if you want to get entered into everything, you can send a What We Learned with a ticket and a car emoji, and we'll just throw you into the pile. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. You say it like that, like it's a bad idea. It's a great time saver. What did you learn over the last 72 hours in sports? Let us know. You can win all sorts of awesome stuff. Courtesy, you're good friends at Sportsnet. You can only like the Canucks or the cars. There's there you can't like both. Yeah. One or the other. We've had several people do that with the car emoji and the ticket emoji. See time saving. They appreciate it. Okay. Let's go to the phone lines now, <laughs> shall we? Uh joining us Chris Faber, Canucks Army, Canucks Conversation here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet six fifty. What up, Fabes?
3: Doing good, guys. You said that song is what is that? That's like what happens when you search Faber?
1: Yeah, if you put Faber into the search bar in the unlicensed music generator, boom, you get that.
3: So the other day I saw going around on Twitter, someone like Googled themselves and they were very surprised like what the words that followed your name came up. So uh-huh. I decided to do this. So I went on Google. And I typed in Chris Faber. And guess what comes up is the first thing. Um... Take a guess.
1: I know mine is fired. <laughs> yeah, <that's... laughs> I've done it before. It says Mike Albert. I'm like, autofill is fired. I'm My, like, that's not right.
0: M- mine is definitely married, just because because <laughs> of all the people out there just wonder if I'm available.
3: What's yours, favor? Mine is literally dog. D A W G. That is what comes up when you search up that's like way... when you type in Chris Favor. That is awesome. incredible. That is awesome. way better. That Can we do way... this
1: exercise with Mike and Jason right now? Cause... <laughs> Mike yeah. Halford fired. Yeah, oh, Mike Halford Twitter. Yeah, it's funny because because cat yeah. comes up for me. Mike yeah. Halford wife and you Mike know, Halford soccer, also, and then Mike Halford and Jason Bruff. So you for, guys are connected. And also for a while it was Mike Halford obituary. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> 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 it was very jarring. Anyway, um, okay, we uh, we will move on to a much more serious topic now, and that is uh, the Brock Besser situation as it unfolded throughout the weekend. I imagine you were paying close attention to this, given you were writing it out for Canucks Army, talking about it on Canucks conversation, big picture favor. Uh, what was your big takeaway? What were your thoughts on the weekend? That was not necessarily for the Canucks, but for the Canucks and their relationship with Brock Besser.
3: Yeah, I, I definitely think he wouldn't be very happy about, um, you know, being a healthy scratch that morning. There was a lot of emotions. He talked about it uh, in the post game about how from, you know, from start to finish, that that had to be one of the busiest days in hockey that he's ever had to deal with, with just probably emotions coming from hockey. And Brock Besser is a guy who's had to deal with a lot of emotions with things away from hockey in his life. So I, I don't think it's going to be something that breaks this guy from what he had to deal with with a healthy scratch. But I just think that, you know, this is a guy who's gone through so much and then the, on a night that means so much to him to hear that you're a healthy scratch that morning, like that's, that's a tough spot to be put in uh, for Brock Besser. And I really think that him showing up in that game and showing so well was, you know, an an impressive feat and and he looked great in that game. And uh, just through and through, I can, you know, I can imagine that uh, depending on what happens here with his agent, uh, looking to facilitate a trade as we move forward here, uh, I, I, I just hope for the best. If this does come to fruition and he does get moved, I, you know, we all want to root for Brock Besser. I think that's something that Canucks fans would, would honestly like to see. Like we just want to see this guy be successful. I think a lot of people want to see it be here in Vancouver but uh once you start getting the agent involved in in facilitating a trade i don't think that that's a road that doesn't have a u-turn on it that's that's a road that you're going down i think where unfortunately if you you know if you got that brock Besser jersey like a lot of people did when he came into the nhl that year and he was the only uh, shining hope for canucks fans i just think once you get to this point where the agent is looking to help you get a trade done i mean even with you know if, if you can do it for mikey di you can do it for a lot of other players and. Uh, even though Brock Besser carries that cap hit of over six million dollars, like it, it is unfortunate, but I think he might be moving on here pretty soon. How
1: distressed an asset is Brock Besser?
3: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like there still has to be some value as an asset for for Brock Besser at some point, but it's just it, it is interesting to see how much cap space is affecting things right now. There's not like a team that's competitive enough that wants to add a winger but can also just like take back six million dollars so it'll be interesting to see how the money kind of works with brock besser if you start to see something get moved around um but yeah i really don't know like what type of value brock besser might return if he does go out in a trade i'm just i i have no idea like i don't know if there's a lot of situations you can look back at that are similar to this um this cap situation with brock and, and really what the return might end up being i I think you would still be able to get some decent value from it, but I don't think you're going to look at a trade for Brock Besser at this point and and be like, oh, wow, that's awesome. That's really going to help us in the future instead of, you know, being able to keep this 25-year-old winger who has the potential to score 30-plus every year, it feels like.
0: Hey, Faber, I'm just going to throw out a scenario here. Uh, If the Canucks were to give away Brock Besser, Connor Garland, and Tanner Pearson, they get nothing in return, but those contracts are fully off the books. Would you make that deal?
3: Hmm. Probably not. Probably not for nothing. Right. I I think you would be able to do something that would get you enough of a return that would like cover the balance of zero. If you're if you're doing all three of them at once, and that right. you know the the best bet would be if you can't move. Pearson in that situation you just hold on to him for two more years whatever but I, I think that some team would end up taking on Garland uh, Brock Besser I think he can get done and and even if you you know if you had to hold on to some money over the next two years like you could get a decent return there so I don't think for nothing like unless the Canucks like just were thinking that you could automatically turn that money into something else and start to make a run for this next year. Like that's the only way I think you would do that for nothing. Because I do think that you could get something of value uh, in total for those three players, though it's not as you know as much as the the Coyotes ended up getting for Connor Garland's value. I guess you could say. Yeah, you you thought about it though,
0: right? Yeah, like, no, and I, I and I, I think that's where people are right now. They're kind of like God. Number one, they need to clear cap space, but don't you just think that there's a feeling that, I mean, I'm sure you do think this, that the team just needs a big shakeup. Like there just Mm -hmm. needs to be some of the old blood out and some of the, some new blood in like, like in a major way, like I'm talking half the roster.
3: Yeah. And you know what? The reason I thought about that from what you just said, there's like, okay, let's, let's say the Canucks clear $15 million cap space there, right? Just whatever. That's, you know, it's around there. you clear or 14 million. Let's say 14. You clear 14 million dollars of cap space there and you get nothing out of it, right? You get nothing in return for that trade. The reason I have to think about it is because if you use this correctly, what does 14 million dollars buy you worth of draft picks? Like to take on other people's money. It can buy you a lot. Like that's the reason I have to think about it because though you said it gets you, you know, if you could trade those three for nothing, you you look and you're like, "Okay, well, 6 million of that let's eat something and we get a first round pick with it." You know, let's eat another player's two million dollar deal like the Canucks just had to do with Jason Dickinson, and then let's get a second round pick. Like you can start to really think that the return there, even though you you mentioned it, like just getting rid of those contracts, even though they're good players at certain times for this team. If you do get rid of it and you use it correctly, I think that's the hard part to imagine the Canucks doing is using it correctly. But if they were to use it correctly, and you hope that this management group is, you know, like new way thinking enough that they can they can make that money and turning like turn that money into draft picks if they were to do it correctly just that 16 or fourteen, fifteen million 15 million dollars worth of cap whatever it is you can use that so quickly to to like this is what i think about yeah. with the Horvat trade it feels like a residual return that you can get on top of what you're doing just trading them because if you use that five million dollars correctly right now like the the market would say that $5 million is basically a first round pick. Even if you're able to add like a little bit more space there or something you can throw in as a sweetener as like a fourth round pick, you're probably getting like a first for $5 million. And that's the thing with the Horvat trade. We'll probably see it come down. It'll probably be three pieces. Um, and, and then eventually you can, if you can, that's why I wanted to see the deal get done sooner rather than later. Cause then you find a team that has somebody coming back from injury, like think of the Florida Panthers. Maybe they're looking to clear some space and get $5 million you know extra off of that deal so if you can do this correctly you know this this horvat return if you do it all together with you know the follow-up of having that cap space you can make this like two first round picks coming back a prospect and like a fourth like that's what the return could be for horvat and his cap space because a lot of people just talk about the return for horvat but that 5.5 million dollar space that you have you can get something for him in the trade and for the money that you're getting off the books i think that's so important uh, when you're talking about this team rebuilding and having some assets that make sense to move, to me
0: they're they're at a point now where what do they have to lose by like t- by taking some big moves and taking some big swings and moving some players out? Like, oh no, they might not be able to keep this group together. Oh no, right? Like that to, to me, that's that's an advantage in not keeping this this group together. I realize you have to keep asset management in mind. But maybe they've done that a little too much and it's kept them from making some major moves that they need to make to open up the cap space
3: to present new opportunities to them. Absolutely. I mean, what they have to lose is a really engaged fan base that is starting to get tired of the way the direction that this franchise has been going for the last eight years and continues to sort of look similar to what it was for the eight years prior to this. I mean... You're right. Like you can't keep doubling down on a core that does nothing that has done nothing for you. And I know that you can talk about the bubble. That was great. But the the NHL doesn't play, doesn't play its playoffs in a bubble every season. It doesn't do it every four years. You can't like look at that and be like, oh, yeah, well, that's something that we really should lean on. And, and then even at the same time, that bubble team, we anyways, I don't want to go down this road. There's so much different stuff. I think mean, like. You're right. Like having a chance to make some movement here, make some changes while you can actually finally get ahead of something. It, it would be so great for me to see from this team. Like the changes need to come. It's obvious. It, it feels like this team is not like think about Saturday night, guys. Like going into Saturday night, a team that's coming off of two five to one losses, they're playing the Arizona Coyotes, the team that I think is in the best position to you know, be Bedard bound as we get to the draft lottery. I think that though, I know that the ducks haven't had a good season. I still think the coyotes roster wise might be the worst team in the league. I look at the Canucks on Saturday going into that game and I'm not confident that they're going to win. Like I'm not confident after 20 minutes that they're going to win that game after 40 minutes when they're down two to one. And how can you feel like the team has a chance at really being a team that can make a run in the playoffs? If after 40 minutes, you're not confident, the Canucks are going to beat the coyotes. Like, how, did, how right. does that not click with somebody to say, oh, wow, you know, maybe we should make major changes here. We, we're down to the Coyotes after 40 minutes. And, yes, they came back and won. That was great. Brock Besser's goal on his night was, was awesome for the fan base. And that gives fans some excitement. But, like, you can still have fans get excited if you're actually you, – you would have a different group of fans that are very excited, the ones that are diehards and listening every day. To sports radio and you know being engaged with the Vancouver Canucks every day online or what it be, those people would love to see, you know those moments where you do end up beating the Coyotes in a three-two overtime game. Like that would give some people some excitement if this team is actually committed to being a rebuilding team. Because it's like, oh nice, well we beat the the Coyotes, whatever that's great. We we should you know we should be battling with the Coyotes to see what's happening here. But the roster is too good to think about this team being like an actual tanking team. So when you can you know, look at the future of this team. It's just the, the movement to the to the group here in the core obviously makes so much sense. And so much of the fan base is on board for it. It's just ridiculous to me that like, you know, you could have a fan base be engaged in a rebuild, but like, I, I don't know what it's going to be like in like six months from now. If the fan base is still even at that point because there we just need to see some actual movement here to find something that you can latch onto. And it just feels like there's not a lot of that right now.
1: We're speaking to Chris Faber from Canucks Army and Canucks Conversation here on the Helford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Fabes, maybe the answer to all of this is to focus on the American Hockey League team, the Abbotsford Canucks. Maybe they are faring better. In fact, I know that they're faring better. Can you give our listeners a synopsis, an update with regards to specifically Jack Rathbone and Vasily Podkolzin, who are now down with the baby Canucks? And I know Rathbone came into the lineup the other night after missing a game.
3: Yeah, so uh, Jack came. In, he played his first game like right after that. Uh, we we heard that they were assigned to the AHL. He got yep. sent down, but then he was um, he was sick for a couple of games, so he missed out on those. Uh, but he got back in the lineup last night. It was just a sickness. It wasn't anything COVID related or, or something that was kind of going to affect his body too much. Just a a sickness. It wasn't mono or anything. We're not going to see him out for eight months. It wasn't, it wasn't anything to do, to do with that big
0: hit he took, was it?
3: No, I, I heard it wasn't. I heard it was just okay. a sickness because he played the rest of that game after there, so he was, uh, was kind of fine after that hit. Maybe that shook around his sinuses or something, and then something broke loose. I don't know. Maybe that's a sickness, but uh, he got back in the lineup um, <laughs> last night, which was good to see. Um, still hasn't been like, uh, you know, it's two games. He hasn't been ridiculous, but if you think about it with Pod Colson, uh, Pod Colson's now played four games in the, um, in the AHL over the past week. And like the Abbotsford Canucks have won every game. So it's like, it's been a lot of fun. They're scoring like an average of something like five and a half goals or something uh, over that four game stretch. Uh, The hockey has been a lot of fun to watch for them over the last week or so. And, you know, a pair of back-to-backs over the last week made it exciting as well. They're still back at home next weekend as well. Uh, So you might see Pod Colson, I think, still like ride maybe until next Monday is kind of the, the spot where I think he might get that call up. If you want to make this a quick little send down to gain some confidence, uh, you saw Pod Colson score a really nice goal last night where it was like, I, I don't know, to me it was like a vintage Pod Colson goal that I saw him score a lot of when he was playing in the junior 20 leagues. Like, whether it be the J20 league or international play at U20, uh, at the U20 level, like it was the one where he, you know, gets behind the net, like, you know, has a guy all over him, but is able to kind of, you know, give him the old the arm and, and work his way to the front of the net find a way to get some ice in the slot and then rip one of his really good hard wrist shots and, and hit it into the top corner. Like it was, it was a very vintage when you see pod Coles and dominating, this is what he does type of goal. So I think this is exactly what you wanted to see from him gaining some confidence down the HL, but at the at the same time, it was still Though it was the second goal that he scored down there, the first one was an empty netter. So in four games, he's been dominant enough to have one of those really nice goals. You probably want to see a few more of those before you just give him the call back up to the uh, NHL. So it, it's good to let him work on the uh, on the confidence down there in the NHL. It's just uh, he hasn't really had a ton of success just yet, but last night was a good step in the right direction for him.
0: Is it maybe good for him to, for him to stay down there and be the man or at least one of the... You know most important players on the team because he hasn't really been that for a while. I, I know you mentioned he played some games uh, on the under-20 uh, team, but, but for the most part, he's been in the KHL playing with older players and playing in the bottom six and sometimes not even being in the lineup or barely playing at all. And then he went to the NHL where, understandably, He's been in a position where he's like, oh, I'm the young kid on the team. Like, I'm not going to play a lot. I better not make any mistakes. Like, It seems like it's been a while since he's been on a team where he's one of the guys that they really need to rely on, and I just wonder if that could be good for his confidence just to get him into that position again of being relied on and not in a position where he's like, well, I hope I contribute, but if I don't, I'm probably not going to get all that much attention.
3: Yeah, and I think that he probably feeds off of being a leader as well. I think we saw that at the World Juniors uh, in his final year there in the 2021 World Juniors. And I, I think it's a great spot with Danilo Klimovich there, who I think has played, like, his best – I don't know, something about having him and Golden in the lineup, something is like, seriously clicked uh, in Klimovich's mind to make him, like, a much more engaged player, which has been, like, you could say maybe all this buildup from the healthy scratches has worked to this point. I, I do think there's something about – Pod Colson being around and being in the lineup that has like clicked something with Klimovich. He's, he's played the best pair of games that I've seen back to back from him in the AHL since uh, Pod Colson's got there. He's, he's looked like a much better player, uh, whether it be just like committing to back checking, committing to being aggressive on the forecheck, uh, being in position. Like, I don't know. Everything's just looking so much better with Klimovich, and, and that's interesting because I, I think that. Pod Colson, like, is a true leader, right? Like, he was always in U-20 play. He was always in junior. Just one of these guys who was a leader. He was a leader for, for his country, and I think that meant a lot to him. And he hasn't really had the chance to do that, uh, I think, in the NHL because of the language barrier that he had coming here uh, and obviously still being so young. Like, let's not forget, he's, he's 21 years old, Right. Uh, in a, you know, very ext- – like, an extremely young player in the NHL, so it's hard for him to kind of be that leader role. But I think that he, like – he feeds off of that a little bit, and I think you're starting to see that in the AHL. Is you know he doesn't have to be the guy who's pulling the pucks out of the net after warm up every single time anymore. He's able to skate around and chat with a player. Um, it's just, yeah, I think it's a good spot here. And I know a lot of people were like, oh, well, you know, the, the four games here in the seven days, it's good for them with a pair of back to backs, get them in, and then get them back up to the NHL it might be a lot better just to leave him in there for a few weeks. Like, I don't think it has to be a one week thing with Bob Coles. And though I do think he's one of the best 12 forwards the Vancouver Canucks have in their system. Like, I I don't think it's the worst thing at all just to leave him down there and let him build this confidence and maybe build up some thought process that he is a top six player and then maybe bring him right back into that role. Like, do we really think that, that JT Miller and Bo Horvat had to have a winger with them? That's like for sure going to stick for a long time. Like, I, I don't think, there should be that much confidence in what Huglander's done with those two guys. So I want to see pod Colson get to back to being, you know, talked about at the NHL.com's most like most impressive chance to have a breakout Mm -hmm. season this year being Vasily pod Colson. I remember him being on the cover of that article for NHL.com. I mean, like that's the part that I want to see. So I like the idea of keeping him as a first line guy down there. I want to see pod Colson on the first power play unit. Don't know why that hasn't happened in the AHL. I want to see him killing more penalty penalties, like, He's getting out there as, like, the third-pairing guy. Like, that that needs to change. Like, he should be out there getting all situations and being the first guy out there. He should be first line, first power play, first penalty kill. Um, but he's not really getting that right now, which is kind of strange to see, um, especially on the power play. Like, uh, I know that their, their power play is absolutely clicking for Abbotsford, but you should get Pod Colson in there playing on that. So, uh, I think if you tweak a couple things, get this guy some confidence, I'd like to see him stay down there maybe until – you know, maybe until January, like, and then have him really be confident coming back to what he's going to do at the NHL.
1: Fabes, great stuff today, bud. Thanks a lot for doing this. We appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll do this again soon. Sound good, gentlemen. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Thanks. That's Chris Faber from Canucks Army and Canucks Conversation here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Quick break. We'll come back. Ian McIntyre for more Canucks talk. We got a bunch of giveaways for what we learned. It's a big final hour, so keep it on the dial. Halford, Bruff, Sportsnet 650.